Alrighty everyone, welcome back. This is Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, bringing you another episode of Monday Madness on September 18th, 2023. Sometimes I'm reminded of how much of an engineer I truly am. Last week, I'm making some chicken noodle soup, and as I was ready to roll out my egg noodle dough, I came across this set of instructions. With the rolling pin, roll out dough onto a lightly floured counter until it's very thin, less than a quarter of an inch thick or paper thin. Now, I'm already short a rolling pin, so I'm sitting here with my well-floured whiskey bottle in hand, scratching my head, wondering if she means one quarter of an inch or paper thin. Egyptian papyrus was probably not even a quarter of an inch thick. I was confused, so I met her recipe somewhere in the middle at maybe a 16th to a 32nd of an inch, and the noodles were okay. They ended up getting a little too thick and kind of had the texture of a dumpling, which wasn't bad, so hey, I'll chalk it up to a happy accident. Let this serve as a warning to you folks. Please err on the side of paper thin. But you didn't come here to listen to me obsess over noodles. You came here to get the scoop on the biggest energy news and most revealing industry statistics. Welcome to Monday Madness. Ladies and gents, WTI is really starting to get my hopes up. You never want to count your chickens before they hatch, but... I mainly mean you don't really want to go out and buy the fully kitted Ram with the Rebel package, a tow winch, and a roof rack before oil prices have been high for a minute. Yes, we have sat in the 90s for a little bit now, but they could fall any minute. This time last week, we saw a price of $87.5 after a week's-long climb from a valley of 79 I didn't have the confidence that it would continue its upward march, but I was proven wrong. It actually accelerated and gained almost a dollar a day on average and went from 87 to $91 by Friday. Things were much quieter over the weekend, but this Monday morning shows even more broken records as it briefly topped $92, and I do mean briefly. For about 30 minutes, the price was in the $92 range for the first time since November of last year. It seemed like $92 had posed the first real resistance since the price had been increasing from the end of last month, but I would not be surprised if we're just experiencing a bit of that Monday volatility. I think a much clearer picture will be painted by the end of this week, though the price can't keep going up forever. Brent has the same movement, but not quite to the same extent. That's right, the spread is currently 270 less than $3, which is the lowest it has been for quite some while, and that only adds even more upward pressure to WTI in the case of import desirability. I pray for the day we have interesting notes for natural gas, but it continues to surprise nobody and do nothing. Currently at 270 after a bit of a price spike, but that's some pretty typical territory this far into the year. Next up is the rig count. We've had a few weeks of steadily increasing prices. Does that mean folks are confident enough to increase drilling activity? Surprisingly, yes. The count is up 9 to a total of 641, which is 122 fewer rigs than we had this time last year, but still a damn good report. Not only is this the first positive and greater than one rig count in 20 weeks, but this is the largest increase in rigs since November of 2022. Could it just be a one-off? Absolutely. But combined with the quickly increasing price, I think it's just a little bit more than a coincidence. Let's wait to get a few more weeks of data under our belts before we make any significant conclusions. Basin by basin, we are seeing two more rigs in the Permian and two more in the Granite Wash. That is the only change at that level. State by state, we see seven more rigs in Texas, one more each in Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming, and two fewer in New Mexico. 
there has been a good deal of consolidation and other acquisition activity in Texas, so I'm wondering if this is, is new operations for some folks, or if the new price has just made it more economic for some other areas to get a little more active. Of these new rigs, a majority are targeting oil and, believe it or not, making horizontal whole. That is an excellent indicator that some folks anticipate the price will continue to rise past $90 because horizontal wells ain't cheap. We also see a few rigs working on vertical wells, but that is to be expected. Far cheaper to work on. With no change in the Gulf, we are finally seeing some growing action in Texas, but outside of the Permian, which is a bit curious. That is where most of these rigs fell, so keep an eye on next week's data because it will certainly paint a better picture if we're seeing more going up in the Permian or if it is truly elsewhere in Texas. Our last statistic to cover is Thirsty Thursday. I write this one weekly and publish it over on www.rarepetro.com with plenty of additional data and other visual aids that will truly enhance your understanding. Here's the bare bones data of what you missed last week. Unfortunately, our lovely streak of drawdowns comes to an end. The EIA predicted a drawdown just shy of 2 million barrels, but ended up reporting an almost 4 million barrel build. Not terrible, but still a build of significant size. The API predicted a similar draw at a cool and even 2 million, but ended up recording a build and a much smaller one at just over a million barrels. The tail end of August and the first week of September gave us a combined drawdown of nearly 29 million barrels, so a less than 4 million barrel build really isn't the end of the world. If we look at recent trends, we have not seen two back-to-back -back weeks of builds since late May, so don't lose hope yet. We might be back to drawdowns in the very next week. If this pattern continues, we should be in five-year historically low territory by the end of this month. Gasoline inventories saw a significant bump in supply as they increased by 5.6 million barrels week over week. It was looking like we would settle into a historical low for five years, but instead bounced right off that boundary. Just when gasoline prices showed signs of slowly decreasing, they begin to go right back up, which is a shame considering this massive build we just experienced. In fact, this is one of the largest builds we've witnessed in months. Either way, the average gasoline price is up almost 5 cents in a week for regular and 7 cents for diesel. The most expensive gasoline is in Cali at an average of 5505 with the cheapest remaining in Mississippi at 3302. Yeesh, that is going back to $4 quickly. The category of distillates is finally finding its legs as it begins to pull up from historically low territory with a few weeks of builds. It's not likely to reach the center of the historically normal territory anytime soon, but it is still far closer to being somewhere familiar. Propane, however, continues to establish new record highs weekly, but only barely so. That does it for the weekly statistics. Next, we ought to get into a little bit of the news. Last week, California's Attorney General filed a lawsuit against five oil majors, claiming that they downplayed climate change and cost the state an incalculable amount in damages. Newsom's office tweeted, or X'd, I'm, I'm not really sure what the new verb is, quote, Big Oil has been lying to us, covering up the fact that they've long known how dangerous the fossil fuels they produce are for our planet. It has been decades of damage and deception. With at Attorney General Rob Bonta, California is taking action to hold big polluters accountable, end quote, end tweet, end X, whatever you want to call it. The aforementioned big polluters are Exxon, Chevron, BP, Shell, and ConocoPhillips, though there are many more other defendants, including the American Petroleum Institute, the API. 
The authors of the lawsuit are primarily trying to create an abatement fund in order to have money ready to spend on what they would consider future climate damages. Chevron is understandably upset by all of the hullabaloo and said, quote, climate change is a global problem that requires a coordinated international policy response, not piecemeal litigation for the benefit of lawyers and politicians. I have to agree with Chevron in this one, and for the gain of politicians, that's that's pretty important. We'll get back to that in a second. It certainly seems like oil is enemy number one in the eyes of California, despite the massive agricultural scene and a city full of combustion engines. Looking at ULA, if this lawsuit does go through to an actual trial, it sets an insane precedent. But here's that crazy thing. I don't think Newsom expects it to get to the courts. Maybe it does, but eventually it'll get escalated and shot down. I think he's just doing his best to paint an image for the public. It's like accusing your coworker of being a lunch thief even though he didn't lay a finger on your sandwich. It will still make your other coworkers think twice about leaving their Tupperware in the fridge unlabeled near that guy, whether or not he touched it in the first place. Is he a thief? Is he not? It doesn't matter. Everyone already believes it because it's been thrown out there. I feel like this is the same case here. As long as he consistently maintains this stance and throws wildly insane accusations and penalties out whether or not they stand, he will be remembered as a politician that will be a, I don't know, a fighter for the climate despite presenting no results by any metric. We will be sure to keep you posted on how this evolves, but I still want to save time for one more story, so we're going to keep it moving. Every once in a while, Iran pops up in the news. Oftentimes, it has been related to oil, but there are still many stories that relate to Iran's lack of autonomy surrounding nuclear enrichment. As a quick background, there was a governmental administration in Iran that aimed to make themselves a nuclear superpower. As world organizations worked to collectively shut that down, the U.S. put them under heavy oil sanctions while the U.N. and E.U. threw their own sanctions into the mix. The U.S. still maintains its energy sanctions, but the U.N. and the E.U. lifted theirs, I think, back in 2019 under the condition that the International Atomic Energy Administration, the IAEA, could come by and regularly inspect their nuclear enrichment facilities. Now, this was an agreement under the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action targeting nuclear armaments specifically. And this makes sure that Iran is enriching this uranium to the level of being usable for power and not the level of atomic bombs. So that's the background. Here's the story. Iran recently expelled one of the investigators from the IAEA. This is not necessarily against the rules, but when the organization sent a few more investigators, they too were expelled and prevented from examining the enrichment facilities. The EU is urging Iran to comply, but it sure seems like Iran don't give a damn. Now we could give them the benefit of the doubt and just assume that they are sick of the West telling them what to do, and I think that this is just a pretty good chance of what the case actually is, but it's also entirely possible they are preparing something nasty. No idea for who or why, but they aren't complying with the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, and that won't mean anything nice. But folks, that is all I've got for this episode. A few decent stories domestic and abroad, and some really phenomenal statistics. The inventory report could have been better, yes, but that is a molehill next to the mountain that is fantastic commodity price movement. Let's hope we can keep this momentum going. If you want more information before the next piece of content comes out, you can find plenty of it on our website, www.redpetro.com. Just go there and get lost, because I am sure you can find something you will like. Just fall into that content. This has been Tavis Killian with Rare Petro, and until we see you next time, take care, everybody.